Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Did you ever wish you had answers to questions about your life, love, career, and future? Well, I just might have the solution. I've been a tarot card enthusiast my entire life, but I've always hated the scammy feel of pay-by-the-minute readings. Well, the tarot bridge is something entirely different. You can get tarot card readings with integrity from trusted advisors providing life guidance. Everything from love, career, family, relationship, finance, past life, and so much more. All of the readers are fully vetted for their experience and integrity. And there's a community in the Tarot Bridge that brings together like-minded spiritual seekers. You might just find me there too. Go check it out at thetarotbridge.com. All of the answers you are seeking are on the other side of the Tarot Bridge. Now let's get back to our show. This might be one of, if not the most important conversation I've ever had since I started this podcast. And it has me feeling all kinds of ways um, with the guest today who is joining me that I just finished wrapping it up and I always record the intro after the fact. So I'm a little bit at loss for words because it hits really hard. So Allison here is a former sales executive turned lifestyle entrepreneur. She's the host of the award-winning top one and a half percent globally ranked podcast, Late Learner, and founded the Effective Collective membership designed for high-performing mothers that are ready for a new chapter. But what we talk about today is something really different. Uh, We are going into body dysmorphia and how that impacts your life. And she shares her extremely vulnerable story about the journey that she has been on, the struggle that she has had, the pain that comes from it. And, you know, you get to a certain point in your life, and I'm almost 46 years old. By the time this episode comes out, I probably will be 46. And I share a moment that I had when I was trying to undo some of those years. And um, you have to listen in for that. But This is such a great episode talking about the struggles that women go to, to try to be perfect in our own skin. So I hope it resonates with you. I know it will. I don't know a woman who doesn't at one time or another have some conversation with herself about this and all of the things that we do from coloring our hair to adding eyelashes and extensions and spanks and all of the things. So Let's jump into this one. And if it resonates with you, reach out and let me know because this one was a really important one to me. Um, and it got me feeling all kinds of ways after we wrapped it up. So with no further ado, let's talk about body dysmorphia. Allison, welcome. Hi. I'm so excited we get to do this again. I've been talking to, to you this. so much lately. And I, love <laughs> I love it. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. Me too. So you have, let's just start with, you have a, um, a podcast called Late Learner. Yes. And I just want to ask you before we start talking about a really serious conversation and a really impactful one, but I, what 
what made you want to start something called Late Learner? Like, what were you a late learner in? You know, it it actually has four different names, and I rebranded it as late learner, (laughs) which has its own journey. But I've always been a late bloomer, always have been a late bloomer. And I've always been learning, 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 learning. And it just never feels like enough. But I know a lot of people struggle with, am I too late? Mm -hmm. And um, what I've come to say is no, you're right on time. Yeah, I no, I love that. Because I feel like I'm the same thing. It's like I'm always if I'm not learning something new or pushing myself or getting uncomfortable, then I'm just bored. So yes. it's like, it's that, that new fresh thing. I tried to learn golf last summer and that <laughs> I just, I, they're collecting dust with spider webs right now. Cause I did but not want to be able to. At least you tried. I know. At least you tried. I, I actually feel like, you know, late learner uh, has more of a it actually works well with our conversation today, but there's a cultural dimension to it that I think that breaking convention through the lens of continuously learning is how late learners started. And and really, it's it's always been about changing culture, but it's become so personal that it's become a late, you know, like it is continuously learning. But how, how do we do better when we have better tools? Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, which th- this is this is a perfect segue into what we're talking about today. Um, is something called when we were chatting about what we were going to speak about? You brought up the word body dysmorphia, and before we hopped on today, I'm like, let me, like, I think I know what it is, but let me like Google this and see what comes up. And the the definition is a mental health condition where a person spends a lot of time worrying about flaws in their appearance. And those flaws are often unnoticeable to others. And I thought to myself, geez, I feel like, cause I would never say like, I have an eating disorder. No, I don't. I'm like, but body dysmorphia. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> like maybe there's some of that that has shown up. And I think that so many women have also had that. So I, that's why I, this is such an important conversation. So why, why is this topic so important to you? Let's start there. I think this will probably resonate for your listeners a little bit. And when I had, I have two kids, I'm a mother of two, and I had my daughter at 40 years old. And um, I had her through IVF. And even when I had my son at 38, I, it was so important to me to get my pre-baby body back. It was so important. It was all consuming. And it was to the point where, you know, I I mean, just to rewind it a little bit further, my mother had six kids. And when she and my dad divorced, she got on, I think it was Prozac. I think it was when Prozac came out. I was like 17. She blew up. I mean, she, I don't know how much weight she gained, but she was like a 24X. It was something bananas. And she was smaller than I was. And so I kind of lodged that in my brain is that will never happen to me. And I'm going to work as hard as I can to be in shape, to be fit, to have full control. And that's the word, right? Control. And it was so unbelievably important to me when my kids were born that the only evidence that I had kids were my kids. I didn't want to 
see it on my body. I wanted to be the fabulous mom that was unfettered. And you can see where this is going, right? Like this, this element of perfection is so impossible to maintain, sustain. And I, I've always been active. And so I would go to the gym. So I not only had body dysmorphia, but I had um, orthorexia, which I didn't realize was a name, but it's like an addiction to working out, an addiction to nutrition. Um, so it's like the opposite of anorexia, but still control issues and um, disordered eating. And I had gone to all these trainers and I had gone to this trainer I don't know that she was very good. And when I went to her, she measured my body fat. And so I was 115 pounds of five foot four. And I just had my second child. So I was little, right? Like I wasn't, I was never looking at my body going on fat, but I had that little pooch. You know, that little pooch. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have that little pooch. And so I was eating all the right things. I was restricting my food. I was working out and nothing was getting rid of this pooch. And it, it just was wild. And so I went to this trainer and she measured my BMI, my body mass index, and it was approaching obesity. It was approaching obesity, this arbitrary measure. And I was like, oh my God, something is wrong. So I kept working out harder and harder and harder. So obesity is like, I, I may get this wrong. I think it's like 30 and like normal BMI is 18, 20. Normal. And I think I, you know, I think I was like 23, 24 and I'm like, I got to work harder. I got to do this better. I got to cut out all of the food. I got to do all this stuff. And so I had hired trainers, I had hired nutritionists, coaches online. I was in the gym at four in the morning, lifting weights, measuring everything that every bite I put in my mouth. And it was where I could feel myself, Renee, going crazy. I don't know if you've ever been in this position where you're almost like you're hovering above yourself. And you're like, none of this matters. What are you doing? And you can't stop. You can't figure out how do I let go of this? Like you can feel your obsessive tendencies just going crazy. And I remember I was going to see a therapist. Like I knew something was wrong. And I, I would go see a therapist. And I remember being in a, a therapist's office and being out of my mind that I was going out with some girlfriends that night. And I was... I wanted to bring my portioned Tupperware of prepared food to go to my friend's house and to hang out with them because I was so afraid that if I would have eaten that cracker or that piece of cheese or a sip of wine, that I was just one donut away from obesity. And I just remember being totally out of my mind, worried over this. And I'm like, something has to change. So this had gone on for, I don't know, I don't know how many years. It was a couple of years. And I had all of this reverse Renee from a tarot reading. <laughs> yes, oh, no I'm way. I, I mean, I love yes. tarot. We can, we can have a whole conversation about that. I just had a reading and had like some crazy stuff happen. But yes. Oh. Okay. So tell me. Yeah. So I have it all recorded. Um, and I have 
this woman who I had gone to see. And back then, this was like seven years ago. And it's always like when I go to a tarot reader, oh, it's my career. I got to figure out something else. It's my career. And it immediately went to food and my relationship with my mother. And she asked me one question that reversed it all. And she asked me, what if you replaced all that time that you spend prepping your food on the weekends, being away from your kids, they're going to parties, but I'm busy in the kitchen trying to prep my food and feeling like an awful mom, going to the gym in the morning, doing weightlifting, which you hate. What if you replace that with things that were nourishing, like going for a walk instead of going to the gym or going to a yoga uh, class instead of prepping all your food? What if you did that? And I was like, what? It almost felt, it took almost like a week to kind of open my mind to the possibility that I wasn't going to all of a sudden be obese and all of this would be for nothing. And I remember going out in this pathway. I live in Atlanta and there's something called the Atlanta Beltline. It's these amazing pathways that are right by my house. And I remember walking out my door and going on the belt line, which I normally have never done where I was more present. And I could literally feel my nervous system lower. And I felt like this joy where I was like, huh, this feels really good. And it almost like overtook my body where it was like, okay, this is permission. You know, the tarot reading was permission to try something new, right? And then going out and trying it was like more permission, more reinforcement that it felt better to do things that were nourishing instead of this intense fear. And so that's kind of where it all came from. I I had one of my, thank you for sharing that. One of my earliest memories of like body, I, if you want to call it issues, was I was home from college working for my father one summer in his office. And he had someone who worked in the office, not an employee, but someone who kind of shared space. And he said to my father, Renee would be really pretty if she lost weight. Mm. And what the kicker is, my father thought it was important enough to come home and share it with my mother who was like, share it with her. Like she'll tell her, tell her what he said as in almost like the shame from it. So it was like, at that point, it was like, I had so much shame around that. And like, it had nothing to do with, and I've always been very active too. I've, I've been an aerobics instructor. I power lift, like I've been always really active, but it was like that focus on like body weight. And I mean that, and I don't think I ever quite shook that. Like, I think there's this still things that come up for me as come up for many women, like I'm thinking about a text exchange between some girlfriends and I and how some stuff came up. I'm like, oh my God, we're in our mid forties. And how are we not letting go of this? You know? So it's, um, it's so, okay. So now that you're walking, you realize things have to change. Was it just a, a, a switch that flipped? Was it all of a sudden everything changed for you or did it take progress in time. And did you do it on your own? Did you like go to therapy for this and work through some of this stuff? Like, is this something that people can work through on their own? I think it was a big switch. So of course, nothing is like overnight, right? It was a bigger switch. It was a big lever that really kind of unlocked it. 
And I think I was trying different therapists and hadn't found the right one. So I didn't have therapeutic support. However, I've always found that when I try traditional methods and conventional methods, and they're not, not working for me for whatever reason, some conven- I'm, I'm not completely unconventional, but what happens is like, spiritual tarot reading and Reiki, that is, is, becomes the, the trick, you know, I don't know if you have this, but I imagine all women like us have like crystals around, (laughs) around Uh our desk, you know, like we're not really saying it out loud, but we kind of are into Uh it, you know, Um, I I, I don't have a sorceress on speed dial or anything, but I like all that. (laughs) You are the sorceress. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's one of those things too, where you start to kind of peel the onion when you think about how much of it is cultural programming, like you think about as women, we are supposed to take up as little space as possible. And so, and that looks like you being skinny, you being disciplined, how is that equated to value or the standard of beauty? And what does that look like? And so it never resonated with me when people say, I love my my wrinkles. I love my stretch marks. They share how much I've done. And the reality is for me, I had a mommy makeover. So a mommy makeover is a tummy tuck and a breast lift. Um, I had that done to fix it. I mean, I really was in the the spiral, this never ending spiral. And it was horribly botched, horribly botched. And so I had a medical device. It was called a wound vac. As I, I had necrotic ticket t- tissue which is essentially skin death. And I think they had taken out too much skin because I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of skin to take out. And um, I think the treatment that I was getting was too aggressive, or at least that was, you know, the recommendation from this particular doctor. And I had three surgeries to fix it. So even now, when I feel the scar tissue, that there's still a lot of scar tissue and it's, it's healed, you know, but for a long time, I wasn't, you know, I'd have to cover the scars. There'd be a big giant bump of scar tissue. There still is. And I strategically wear clothes that hide it and aren't showing that. And it really bothered me at first. And it, and and because the scars were so big, like they were just so big and gaudy and there. And even now when I when I touch it, I feel I feel a sense of compassion and a sense of sorrow, like a deep sorrow that a my body went through it. But that sorrow of how much it meant to me and and I knew and I would tell myself, none of this matters. None of this matters. Not, it's not helping anybody. In fact, it's hurting. It's hurting my family. It's hurting my relationship. It's hurting you know, my, my husband who has always been incredibly supportive and my kids who I adore. And I, it just took me away so profoundly. And it's hard. I mean, it's, I don't know that I've processed it all the way. I mean, I don't get on scales now. Um, and when I look at my body, you know, when, when that happened, I gained 10 pounds immediately. Um, and I don't edit really what I eat. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. And sometimes I will ask myself, am I hungry or am I bored? Am I, you know, and and kind of be a little more mindful of it, but I'm not 
yelling at myself, I'll eat a Dorito, I'll eat chocolate, I'll eat any of those things. And I try and make healthier choices. But, you know, there are times when I look in the mirror and I'm like, ugh, I'm in my mid 40s too. And, you know, I'm, I'm being targeted all over the place and in Instagram yeah. with like meno belly. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know what is happening. I'm not even in menopause, but I'm getting meno belly uh, ads all over the place. And I'm looking going, I should fix that. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't give myself that. I can't give it that much attention anymore. And really part of the podcast and the things that I'm doing now were born out of you know, at that time, I didn't have a podcast. I didn't have any hobbies at all. And it was like this intense sense of control where that that question of, you know, or that thought of, this isn't helping anybody. Who can you help? This isn't helping anybody. It's hurting people. Who can you help instead? And I just didn't know where to start. And it was the beginning. It was the beginning. I poured my heart, my soul, and even tears into writing a book that is a love letter to every woman I know. She Who Wins the Book is for every woman who is told to smile, to quiet down, and to shrink themselves into their smallest version. It's for every woman who's trying to figure out what's next. It's for every woman who thinks this is as good as it gets. She Who Wins is for the good girl within who is ready to become the fierce female fighting to get out. She Who Wins is now available for pre-order. Visit shewhowinsbook.com for exclusive free bonuses when you order now. It's interesting because I like, your 40s are are kind of funny, right? Like your mid 40s, it's the, like, it's such a, I love this decade. I love like this, this not caring and not, and like being kind of unapologetic of who I am. However, on the flip side, a few months ago, I went to a woman who does like Botox and all the stuff. And I sat there in the chair and I was like, well, I have these lines here. And then she starts think, saying like, well, you can do a little lift in your cheeks here and you can do this and you can do that. And I had this moment, she's like, do you want to do this? And I'm like, you know what? I need to think about this. And I went back and I sat in my car and I'm like, why? Like, why, what, what are you trying to accomplish? And I told myself, I'm like, you know what? Walk out and um, think about this. And if you still feel this way a couple months from now, then you come back. But like, think about the why behind it. And this is like the few months after that. It's like, what was the why? And it was like, you pay attention to what you see. And you see people, the, all of the filters, right? We all want to look like a filter. <laughs> like, um, I know I do. <laughs> I know. And there's sometimes like, I'll put the filter on and then I'll intentionally take it off. I'm like, no. Because it's not reality. It's like, but it is a struggle. It is a struggle to be in that time in your life where you want to like fix it, but also embrace it. And it's like this fine dance of like, some days I want to fix it. And some days I'm like, no, this is exactly who I am. And I'm good with all of that Mm. to go along with it. And I just think it's, it's, it's just such a hard journey, but you know, do you think, do you see men going through that too? Like, is this something that just we lucky ones get to own? You know, it's funny because I had this conversation with Gwyneth Paltrow's yoga instructor. So she's like this world-renowned mm-hmm. uh, yoga meditation uh, instructor and very well-known. Her name is Elena Brower. And I had her on my podcast and I asked her a question about aging. And she publicly has been aging without 
any enhancements at all. No makeup, no fillers, no Botox, nothing. And what I noticed is that when she does her meditations, and you'll you'll totally get this, Renee, her face is resting in this pleasant smile. Mm. And I asked her, I may be projecting here, you know, like I do the filters, I do, uh, you know, I get my hair colored every four weeks. In fact, I'm going Same. in 30 minutes, I'll be going um, to get my hair colored. And I do so much for this. And I, I said, I may be projecting, but are you conscious of leaving your face in this pleasant smile? It's kind of like it, female news reporters, they yeah. cannot, will get eviscerated if they have the RBF, the resting bitch face, right? Like they will get completely annihilated if they're not with a pleasant smile. And I said to Elena, like, I'm sitting here and I'm very well aware and conscious that you and I are on video and I, I am never going to have a, a not pleasant resting face. And she got all up in my shit and just undressed me and said, who taught you that? And she said, why are you putting that shit in your face? It was yeah. so intense. And I said, I hate the way my face looks in the mirror. I hate seeing it age without the filters, without the makeup, without the fillers, without the bright lipstick, without the bright colors for everything. And she, it just was a very interesting conversation. So a lot of people had asked me, Allison, are you going to stop the fillers? You know, that was a really provocative and, and intense conversation with her. And I, I have not, but at the same time, it shone a light of how much real estate it takes in my brain and in all of our brains when it comes to beauty standards of just shaving our legs, our armpits. That's just what you do. You get, you know, um, electrolysis or get laser hair removal and get the hair done and, and yeah. make sure it's smoothed out and uh, the lipstick and making sure your under eye bags are covered. And all of those things are from, you know, from the moment we are little girls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? And it's like, I just had extensions taken out. I had them for about six months and they were long. And, and I thought when they were, they were removed, I'm like, I was going to feel so naked without them. I was going to mm. feel like I didn't have hair. I didn't feel, and it was, it was almost liberating to like have them like I can like scratch my scalp and stuff. Yeah. But I thought about it. I'm like, all right, they were fun. I'm like, but why the hell did I do it? Like, if you think about the nights that I couldn't sleep because they were just moved and they hurt my head on my pillow and I'm like, wide awake, I'm like, why are we doing this? And I like, I'm with you. There's stuff like my hair is going to get colored. I am not going to not color my hair for a long time. And there's things like there's things that I'm just going to continuously always the lashes, do. all of it. Yes. It's, I mean, it's so, but it takes it. You're right. It takes up so much time. So what advice do you have for anyone who's sitting there and saying, but like, we're supposed to show up because when we, when we're dressed well and our hair is done and our makeup's done, then we, we show up in the world in a better way because we hear that all the time too. Mm. You know, it's one of those things that's an evolution. I don't have, you know, I've had people reach out to me and say, I've had people ask me, what, when am I going to dye my hair so I look younger? 
you know, and, and they'll say, I'm not, I'm just, I, I like it the way it is. And so part of it is, is being comfortable in your own skin. And one of those things for me is I stopped wearing jeans that are pressing up against my belly, which I hate feeling so constricted. So finding clothes that feel more comfortable, but still make you feel elevated, still make you feel good. I think it's, it's a piece by piece process of just taking a look around and saying, there's got, and, and again, we have an abundance of options now where styles are easily accessible, where you can find, like I love Lillian Gray Charles, G-R-A-Y Charles. She is a, a fashion, um, she, she's a style therapist. And you've had Jessica Papineau on your yeah. On your um on your show as well, they're both amazing. And how do you dress for yourself? And and I think that investing in somebody like that that knows how to dress for your body, where you know exactly what you're going to wear, that makes you feel like a million bucks, that is not constricting you, that's not breaking your feet because you're in the one hour heels and right. trying to walk around like you're you know um it, like it doesn't hurt. Right. Like you it can, does hurt. You can do all of those things where it doesn't have to hurt. And I think that it is a one step, one step, one step to feeling more comfortable in your body. And if you want to do Botox and fillers, I have no judgment about it. I love, I love that I can do it. And I don't love the way my face looks. And I, I say that out loud. I hate the way my hair looks. I don't love the way my body is changing and I'm not the body positive, like love the skin you're in. It's just, you have to give yourself a little bit of grace and let it be okay. You know, like you can still not love it or wish it was different, but here you are. So how do we make the best of it? Can I ask how you, um, the woman who you had on who kind of went to town, how did that... How did that make you feel when she did that? First, I knew it was going to be great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was, not, I was not expecting that. You know, I, I was not expecting it. So it went right off the rails. And to be honest, and this is between you and me and your audience, I was having a really tough time connecting with her. And I have been a student of her work and had done so much research and had asked really strong, good questions. And she just was kind of like, whatever. She wasn't connecting. And when I listened back to it, I realized what she recognized is, okay, I'm going to punch in now. This is now a real conversation, not Q&A. And I showed up the most authentically. I've never showed up that way. And what it had given to me is I have a friend of mine who's big in the podcast space. And he said, that episode was the most brilliant I've ever seen you. And it was one of the most magnificent episodes I've ever heard because you have to be an honest broker of you. And there were no airs. There was nothing prepared about that. You were so on the spot and handled it with grace but it was such a real raw conversation. And I think for me, it was, you know, I always feel like I'm showing up authentically. I always feel like I'm showing up. You may feel this too, but I feel like I'm showing off 
up real and raw all the time. And maybe I'm down to the studs, but apparently I need to go deeper into the foundation and all those things that I'm really scared to talk about are things that, you know, I need to say out loud. And what I've realized is that people really struggle with certain things they would never admit out loud. Did did you feel judged in that moment? Mm. Mm, I I didn't take it as judged. Mm. You know, she said, I'll still be your friend if you still do it. And I'm like, mm. you know, like, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I, I would have bought it. I didn't care about being judged. It wasn't hers to judge for me, yeah. but it was a great mirror that I appreciated and appreciated how real and how raw and how vulnerable we both were in that moment um, and where it came from too. I mean, just this conversation and just you sharing that, it's like, it, these are the things we don't really talk about. You know, like we talk mm-hmm. about, when you talk about eating disorders, like I feel like people are like, oh, well, that's not me, you know, but a conversation about this in our perception of ourself and our own skin, especially when you get to a certain point in your life where you just don't bounce back and things start to change and, and you start to get wrinkles and skin sags and it like does all of that stuff. Um, it's hard. And like, I think that a lot of women just kind of joke it off and we're just kind of laugh it off. And, but the reality of it is, I think it's like, it's deep because it's we, insidious, we, right? Yeah. It's insidious. Like, we want to be attractive. We want to, you know, in like how we feel in our skin. I know how I feel in my skin is often reflects on how I show up for something too. And if I'm feeling like not great about it, then I'm, it's going to, it's going to come out. It's going to come out of my confidence. It's going to come out in, you know, in, in everything else and conversations that, that I have. So like, where do you go from here? Like, what's the, What's the next step for you? How does how does the next 10 years of living in your skin look and feel? Here's what I know for sure. One of the things that I noticed is that when I look at a lot of the self-help or personal development podcasts, I notice a lot of the titles, and this might be SEO kind of stuff, right? Is fix this. Something is broken. You're... And... I realized, and actually through that woman, Elena Brower, I had realized even before I spoke with her is that when I listened to her meditations, I realized, wait a minute, I'm walking around going, something's wrong. Or you'll listen to a podcast where you're like, oh, I I didn't even, you know, like the research shows, blah, blah, blah. You know, you are uh, struggling with this and they, they name some kind of ailment. And I'm like, oh, I do have, I do struggle with that. I've got a problem. And I realized I am not broken. There is nothing to be fixed. There is nothing to be fixed. And if I'm not broken and you are not broken, you've just simply outgrown your container. And so to me, I call it fractures of light. And that's like if you're thinking of an egg, right? Like, or some container that you've just, grown out of. It's like clothes that are just too tight and that you're busting out like the Hulk. Those fractures where you start to see light, which is again, when I was walking around on the belt line, when I was doing something nourishing that felt better than 
you know, the discipline of eating a certain way, measured way, those fractures of light are where you want to keep digging. And I think that reframe of you, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing to be fixed. You're not broken. You've just outgrown your container. And what do the possibilities look like? Right on the outside of those cracks where the light is starting to shine in. And that to me is a beautiful place, full of possibility, full of opportunities for you to try on new, new, new options as a late learner. And that, wow. that's where I am. I love that. So now I have to go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> so wh- how far back do we have to dig in late, oh, your late I, learner podcast? I think it's it was four, just a few, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it's like four or five episodes, maybe. Because I remember you posting something about that. I'll send it too. to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to listen to it. Um, I love that. I, Allison, you're, you are so vulnerable. I'm like so grateful that you showed up and shared that story. And just, you know, I think you said things that people are scared to say, you know, about themselves, especially. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know that this is going to resonate. Please tell my listeners how they can connect with you and how they can go follow your podcast and listen to everything that you're doing because you are a light. Like you are, are just sharing, shining so much brightness onto um, every woman out there trying to find their way. Renee, how do I give you a hug? (laughs) I felt it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for asking such good questions and for having a really good, meaningful, real conversation. People can reach me at allisonhair.com or on Instagram at allison underscore underscore hair. My podcast is called Late Learner and would love to hear from your listeners. Tell me what stood out to you. Um, would love to connect. I always love... Uh, I know you said the same thing, Renee, that you love to talk to people in your DMs. I'm the same yeah. way. I think, I think that we are lonely as people and it's hard to admit that people struggle with loneliness, even though you might have people all around you. I have an incredible marriage with my husband and amazing kids. And I am very lonely. And I've done episodes on it. And I think it is the outgrowing your container thing of just there's, I think there's a refresh that's happening where everybody is just reevaluating everything, your life, your work, your insides, your outsides, your friends. And that's, you know, I, I don't think that I am alone. I just think that because I know that I'm not alone is why I need to say it out loud. So you know, there are communities out there like She Who Wins that are there to support you every step of the way because the loneliness part is where the sadness lives. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be. I'm so grateful that we connected, that we are now in each other's circles, and it is an absolute joy and pleasure to... to, uh, (laughs) to, Although my heart was a little deformed. (laughs) to, To have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Renee. It was a pleasure. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.